2: We are live at the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square. We are just seven hours away from ringing in the new year. One and a half million people expected to pack the streets below, and we've got a bird's eye view of it all. Welcome to Fast Money, everyone. I'm Courtney Reagan and tonight for Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk for the final show of the year and the decade, Steve Grasso, Karen Fireman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, pop that bubbly because the market just handed in its best year since 2013. All 11 S&P sectors finishing the year in the green. And it wasn't just here in the U.S. Nearly every major global market and asset classes saw positive returns in 2019. So the big question now, what can you expect for your money as we head into the new year? It's time to break out your 2020 playbook. Guy Adami, what do you got for us? Well,
3: first of all, Courtney, I mean, this is, in all the years we've been doing the show, this is the first time you're hosting. So on behalf of all of us, right, I wish... Flat. Amazing Flat. to have. It yes. yes. No, no, it's We're a real cloud. No, Thank you. Wow. Real Thank you. Real
2: New kid on the block no, here. It's
3: fantastic to have you. In terms of what's going to work next year, listen, I've been wrong now for months in terms of market direction, but we've been right about a few things. And I think healthcare is absolutely going to do well in the first half of this upcoming year. You look at the big cap pharma names, Pfizer, Merck, Eli Lilly have been doing fantastically well. UNH is up off the mat, hospitals have been doing well, and you mentioned energy. I don't know if energy is going to finish next year well, but I tell you, for the first couple of months, I think it's going to do very well because I think you're going to see continued weakness in the dollar. I think commodities are going to be an underappreciated asset. So for me, it's healthcare care and energy. Court. And
2: health because it was one of the underperformers this year, up about 19 percent, but well underperforming tech, which was the leader. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the reason? It's well? part of the reason,
3: but I also think, listen. Pharma had an absolute bullseye on their back earlier this year for political reasons. That seems to have abated a bit, and I think the fundamentals will take over. And valuation-wise,
0: a lot of these stocks make a lot of sense.
2: What do you got, Dan?
0: So it really depends how we start, I think, January. I think that's going to set the stage. I think there's a lot of technicians who would say a pullback to 3000 in the S&P 500 would be something that would be very welcome. If you're really thinking about what 2019 was like, we finally had that breakout of this consolidation um, above 3000 And that would be kind of an area I think that a lot of investors would like to reload in. But to me, I think that... If you're going to play a little bit of catch-up, the Russell 2000, the IWM, the ETF that tracks it, that broke out above 160. It's trading about 165. I think you could play a little catch-up in the small caps there. They've underperformed. They have not gotten back to their prior all-time highs. We know the S&P and the NASDAQ have made basically new ones uh, every day for the last, it feels like two months or so. So I think there's some catch-up trades that might work. That just depends if you think that we're just going to kind of take off from current levels. I think a pullback to 3,000, again, reiterating, would be something really helpful and then you can start to focus on some of those reasons why the market went up over the last few months on that breakout.
2: Karen, what do you think? Catch-up trades or winners going to keep winning? Uh, I think
4: a little bit of both. I mean, for me, winners are going to keep winning. I'm going to hold them in my portfolio, the biggest positions, you know, Google, Facebook. Um, The banks have been on a very good run this year, but I think there's still room to run if, if the economy is fine. I think that some of the really, really, you know, energy guys cited, I always like to look at a disaster that's really cheap. (laughs) The space is somewhat of a disaster. There you go. Um, You got one there. Retail, some of retail, Mm -hmm. disaster and really cheap. I mean, I don't own it, but if you think about a name like Bed Bath & Beyond is up huge from the bottom. Yeah. I don't know that it is in any way out of the woods from the Amazon effect um, and their own need to clean up their own business. I don't know, but that's interesting to me, those kind of things. And then to me, the biggest question mark is who ends up being president, because I think so many more things will change off of that than any other thing. The one other thing that I do think has started to work and will continue to work is outside of the U.S., that that will do better relative to the U.S., because the U.S. has outperformed for so long now.
2: It's so interesting in retail, because obviously some names have done so well and some have done so poorly. When you look at the S&P 500, the biggest underperformers of the year, you've got a lot of retail names in there. Yeah. Gap is a big one, down about, what, 40 or 30 percent. Elbrand's down 30 percent. Macy's shed more than 42 percent right. of its value in the year. I don't know if it goes up. The dividend is still pretty nice there on some of those The dividend's
4: they're buying back debt. They are. They uh, are. So that's interesting. Well, what do you think? But well, when Grazo, you look how- at retail
5: and you look at energy, it seems like those are trades to okay. me versus long-term investments. So when I look at the market, what has outperformed ten years, five years, three years, year-to-date? Tech,
2: That's stay it. there. Mm.
5: Why make this complicated? Go to the semis. Go to go to tech. Stay underneath any subsector. If the market comes in, they'll all come in too. But longer-term
2: tech. Because you don't think the market can go up without tech continuing. Uh, No,
5: there's no way. With market cap, when you're market cap weighted, there's no way. It's such a big piece of the S&P. You need to be there. That's where the growth is. That's where you have to stay long
2: term. What about when you're looking at broader markets? Are we going to hit 3,000 before we hit 3,500 on the S&P? I agree
5: with Dan. I'd like to see a pullback. I think you could see a pullback in the first quarter because everything was so lopsided. People were chasing uh, but it is a viable dip, and I would still continue to invest in
0: them yeah I, I feel like the, the the higher we go up in January, if we do continue to go up it 's the harder we 're going to fall at some point in twenty twenty and then that 's just kind of just physics, I guess. You know, if you think about it, I mean, I go back and look at 2018 and the weeks after the, the, the tax cut was put through in late December 2017, we had this ramp in the S&P 500. I mean, you couldn't find anyone to sell a stock. The S&P was up eight and a half percent. We get into Q4 earnings period and they were fine. They just weren't as good as the stock market up eight and a half percent in January. And what did we do? We sold off, I think, double digits, 10, 11 percent. And it took us about nine or 10 months to get back to that prior high. I think it was September of 2016. 2018. And then what happened after that, we saw twenty percent right. peak And think Trump about decline. where all
5: those estimates were. Everyone was calling for an earnings recession. Didn't happen. So wherever the estimates are on earnings is gonna gauge how far and how fast we fall if the companies can leap over or step over those estimates.
2: That being said, earnings growth was not that amazing in the last several quarters here. And we still had this amazing run in the market here, especially in the fourth quarter. But bonds moved
4: a lot, right? So, that, so we had the 10-year go from north of, I don't know, the fourth beginning of the fourth quarter of last year, three and a quarter maybe, down to 145 at the lowest. <laughs> so, you know, the, the multiple that you use to price equities, that changed even if the earnings stream didn't. I don't know what happens if that starts to move the other way, right? Then you could see multiples come in.
3: And I think that's a concern, though, Courtney. I mean, the, vol- the volatility in the bond market is historic. Again, I mention this once in a while, but if the volatility in the bond market, with- in the equity market, was half that, we'd talk about it. Every single day, 24 /7, I mean, you, to Karen's point, 10year yield three and a quarter this time last year, down to 145, back to 190, 150, 190 now. I mean, you're talking about historic moves in, an in, in, in something that shouldn't move that way. That concerns me, but to Steve's point about trades, I agree. Your beat, the retail beat, which you do a fantastic job with, those retail tr- are trades. Macy 's here is a trade. Nordstrom continues to be a trade, whereas a name like Walmart, I think, you know, valuation-wise, doesn't make a lot of sense. And Steve mentioned tech quickly. You know, Microsoft now at almost 27 times forward earnings. Texas Instruments, which has zero EPS growth at 26 times. At a certain point, the question has to be answered. Do these stocks make sense on a valuation basis? I well, say but no. what about when
5: you say about rates? We're still the highest rate market in the world. So we still have inflation non-existent here. We have wages that are outpacing inflation. So what happens if the Fed cuts again? I'm not saying that they should cut. But the market still continues higher if they do cut, and no one is thinking about them cutting.
2: And we haven't really talked about how much the Fed has helped juice up this market in the last 100%. several years. I mean, that's a really well, important in part of Well, in the, the this last run. several
0: months. I mean, the Fed has expanded right. their balance sheet by $400 billion in, you know, since the summer. They've also cut interest rates three consecutive times since July 31st at their meetings. When you think about this, 10 years after they went to uh, zero interest rates, the fact that they basically went from QT, normalizing rates, in the end of 2018, to now QE again um, and cutting rates, that's kind of nuts, especially when you consider the fact that consensus estimates coming into 2019 for S&P earnings were about $174. You know where they ended up right now? Probably about $163. So you think about a stock market that's up 28% in the year, you've seen massive multiple expansion. I think the S&P started you know, somewhere in the, the in the low teens, and now we're pushing 20. Historically, that's expensive. If we don't get any confirmation that earnings are going to expand meaningfully, I think S&P earnings are expected to grow five percent in 2020. But is it enough that
5: the Fed stance? It's a good point because last December, it was a 180 from where they are now. And is that enough to compensate for lack of earnings growth? Where does that multiple expansion stop? The market right now is telling you that it still has room to go. What
0: is a big component of earnings is also margins. When you think about some of the things that you just mentioned about wage inflation, if you think about some of the stuff that's going on here, this is going to hurt corporate profits in 2020, especially if we don't have any meaningful movement on tariffs. You know, you think about this phase one deal. We haven't even talked about this yet. It's really not that impactful. They rolled back some tariffs that were just put in place a few months ago. But that was a major headwind. But that was was a A major headwind. Without that, you have a lot of closure And a, and a lot more. But sooner or later, Steve, a lot of these um, tariffs have been absorbed, okay, over the last year and a half or so. But don't forget, later yeah, they are going to be 35%
5: pushed. corporate tax rate, now 21%. That gives, that's a gift that keeps giving every year. Well, it
0: is, except for the fact that the tariffs have actually counteracted a lot of the benefits that a lot of corporations And now see. they're going away. And we don't well, even have going, a deal, see, the, deal they're, signed they're really yet. They're not going away. Well, there's no deal. That's that's the point. I mean, it's a phase yeah. well, one.
2: We'll see. It's not signed yet, but Trump says he's going to be signing into the White House and then working on phase two. We'll see. Tell me when that ink is dry. Coming up, tech stocks were some of the best performers in 2019, as we just discussed. But what lies ahead for the group? We're going to go through it in more depth. We've got your 2020 playbook for the sector coming up. And later, someone just made a big bet abroad as we head into 2020. We'll tell you who is seeing a world of opportunity when Fast Money returns after this. Oh. Welcome back to Fast Money, another live look outside our window at Times Square where we're getting ready for the crowds, ready to storm this location right behind us in the next few hours, and they're going to be there all night long. Oh, no, ah. no, I did no, it. no you didn't <laughs> do I that. I did it, I did it.
3: I like Lionel, I'm a Commodore person more than Lionel, but that song is the top five worst songs Dancing of all time. Dancing on the
2: Ceiling? They could be doing that top later. Top three
3: worst songs of all time. No,
2: it's a good one. Anyway, it was also a terrific year for tech investors. The sector leading the market in 2019 up a whopping 47 percent. So what's on tap for tech in the new year? Josh Lipton has your playbook.
7: Tech is on a tear. The best performing sector this year. Here are three predictions for next year. First, Apple makes its 5G move. The global 5G rollout is underway, promising super-fast wireless speeds. Apple will unveil its own 5G iPhone in September, but it won't be just new hardware. Expect new 5G-enabled experiences, too, perhaps in augmented reality. You can bet that with a major network upgrade, Apple will introduce new features. Second, hardware spending softens. CEOs could spend less on technology next year. Vendors from Dell to HP have highlighted macroeconomic challenges. That could be bad news for hardware makers, but good news for others, like cloud giants, including Amazon and Microsoft, and subscription services like Zoom, technology that could be cheaper for corporate customers. Third, make or break for wearables. Apple dominates wearables with its popular watch and AirPods. Now it's time for rivals to make a choice. Throw in the towel or step it up with acquisitions. For example, Google plans to buy Fitbit or introduce competitive products like Microsoft with its new Surface earbuds coming in the spring.
2: Thank you, Josh. Well, Dan, you've been all over the tech trade this year. What are you looking at going well, into the new year?
7: It really
0: is about MAGA. It's Microsoft, it's Apple, it's Google, it's Amazon heading into the new year. When you think about those four names, they make up you know almost half of the NASDAQ 100, and they also have outsized gains. And I want to focus on Apple here, because Josh actually had a lot of predictions about that one, 5G, the ramp, that sort of thing. I think it's really important to remember, this stock was up 86% on the year. It's up 100% from its January 3rd, 2019 lows. This is a year where earnings and sales did not grow for Apple. So when you think about the multiple that this stock is trading at, it's pure multiple expansion based on what is to come in 2020. And I think the idea of playing for some 5G super cycle doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense right now. And I want to make one other point, because we talk about semis a lot, and they've really outperformed. There was a headline a couple days ago, Huawei, we know where they sit in this whole global trade war. You know, they are the number one market share provider of smartphones in China. They just released an iPhone 11 alternative in their home country that does not have any U.S. chips. So when you think about this, if this trade war is to play out. If we do see nationalistic tendencies on brands, and then you have the inability to put your U.S. products in Chinese brands, those are big headwinds that I don't think are accounted for right now, and I'm a little worried about Apple up 86% on the year right now, all-time
4: highs. Oh, all right, let me just push back a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Going into the year, it shouldn't have been where it was trading. So the fact that it's up 86% on the year, I don't really look at that as a big move as you do. But are you saying that you don't think? the uh, 5g phone will be successful there are you saying that it's already priced into the stock or both or
0: I think if you think about what this trade war really is all about, it's about China tech and it's about U.S. tech, and I think China, is definitely in smartphones, is moving in a very different direction. They are. They like the bigger phones. They w- it was an aspirational product three or four years ago. Last year, when that stock got killed, was down 45 percent in Q4. They saw their iPhone units decline 35 percent in cal- calendar Q4. I'm not so certain. You might not see a big decline in this Q4 that we just ended. So to me, I just think. you But all those be watch- all those
5: worries, to Karen's point, all those- those worries were somewhat in the name of what are the headwinds. But when you talk about multiple expansion, they should get a a multiple expansion because they have services and now they have streaming. So the same way that Disney gets a multiple expansion, I believe that Apple should get a multiple expansion. So and now you have the kicker where the hardware actually starts to perform. And now you have another phone,
0: Yeah, yeah, because what's that? The the wearables?
4: No, that's the question. Do you? Well, I I just don't know. I mean, so so to me,
0: iPhone units haven't grown in the last three years. So if you're right, if everything depends on the installed base. You need the install base to grow. The install base, the, the, the unit that you need to grow is iPhone. So to me, you can't You're create doing, an you, ecosystem have another, you, you have a potential AirPods. for
5: another super cycle with 5G. But you also have over $46 billion in revenue coming from services now that is growing with an install base. I hear you with the AirPods. But that is growing dramatically for Apple.
0: Well, I just think it's the, the deceleration in services growth is really going to be a story of 2020. You're not seeing 50% growth. This is a very mature business now for all intents and purposes. You need that installed base to grow. It's growing in the teens right now. It's growing in the teens. If trade, really gets, any, if
5: trade gets any better from here going forward, I think that the market will move Apple even higher. Apple and Microsoft account for, as we all know the stat, 15% of the S&P's move. So it's reliant on those two names performing going
2: forward. Some big moves in tech, big big moves in semis, really outperforming up to, what, 62% or something this year, that ETF. There's still a lot more fast money coming up after this break. Here's what we have on tap.
6: On this New Year's Eve, we're
3: going back, way, way back. The warning signs one investor is seeing that remind him of Y2K. Plus... It was a rough year for pod stocks. Will the cannabis sector turn things around in 2020? We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money closes out the decade.
8: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money, coming to you live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. We've got 2020 Vision locked in Uh-oh. on this location. We are set to drop in less than seven hours from now. That ball is coming down. The
3: ball's coming down. Hold on. The music selection. you have nothing to do with this, I know, Courtney, so I it's not it. your fault. But Jonesy back in Englewood Cliffs, Jonesy's our guy. The music selection, I'm looking at you, miserable job. Get some <laughs> like Zeppelin in the next block, Jonesy, like and you're it. listening to me.
2: I like it. Anyway, it was a big year for the Fed. But your next guest is ringing the alarm about what's to come. Bianca Research President Jim Bianco is making a pretty scary comparison to what the Fed did in the run up to Y2K. And he says history may soon repeat itself. Jim joins us now from Chicago. Hi, Jim. You're going to have to explain this one. I remember I was at a party and someone flicked the uh, surge. So all the lights went off and freaked us out. But the Fed did something a little different.
9: That's right. Back in Y2K, when the Calendar was changing 99 to zero, 00. We all thought that the computers were going to read that as 1900 and stop working, and planes were going to fall out of the sky, and everything bad was going to happen. There was people were recommending at the time that everybody run to an ATM. This was before Y2K. Take out two weeks' worth of money, go buy some groceries. And the Fed was afraid there was going to be a giant bank run, and that the ATMs were not going to have enough money. So they created special lending facilities to stuff the banks full of cash and reserves to make sure they could meet those needs. Now, that never happened, but the banks did get stuffed with a lot of cash and reserves, and that, I think, was part of the fuel because the Nasdaq bubble was in full bloom. Now, to be clear, wasn't the only reason that we were having a bubble in the Nasdaq, but it certainly contributed. And the problem with all of these systems Is not that you stuff the money in, and that's what we're doing now trying to fix the repo problem, stuffing the banks full of money or reserves to try and get over 1231 for the repo market, which we did. It's in the future, in the first quarter, when you try to get out and you pull that liquidity back. You have hiccups. You had problems with the markets in April of 2000 when they tried to pull back. The Fed is targeting the second quarter, April again to try and maybe get out of this process that they're doing now. And if they're not careful, pulling back that liquidity can be problematic for the markets that will have come to rely on it, which is what I think they have since October.
2: So Jim, are you saying that they have to be careful not to put us into a recession, or that's not exactly the same setup because of what we had before with also that tech bubble starting?
9: Right, we didn't have a recession until 20 months later, but what we did have was we we denied the market liquidity and we did have problems in markets after March of 2000 uh, especially in the high-flying tech sector which was really moving along I think that that's the problem that the Fed is going to have to face It's easy to bury a market in money to get over a problem which is what they've done with repo over through literally today it's hard once you've got that done to say, okay, now that I've put $400 billion of support into the marketplace, I need to take that back out. And I don't want the S&P to notice that I'm taking it back out. That's going to be the trick. And quite frankly, I'm not sure how they can do that without there being some waves along the way.
3: Well, Jim, I think the short answer is they can I think you probably understand that. But let me ask you a question. What does the Fed see? Everybody talks about this repo situation being normal. In my world, there's nothing normal about it. Started in September, it's now basically January 1st. What do they see that the rest of us don't see, or what do they see that they're not willing to tell us? I think what they're
9: not willing to tell us is they overregulated the repo market. They were so afraid that that market was going to be the source of the next problem, they put rules on top of rules. Now, to be fair, it's not just Fed rules. It's Basel III rules, it's Treasury rules, it's lots of other rules that they've restricted bank use of cash. The banks have come out, Jamie Dimon has come out and said, back off on the rules and we could then uh, start lending again and get past this problem. And Elizabeth Warren and Ellen Blinder, former Fed uh, Vice Chair, and Sheila Bair, former FDIC, has all said, don't back off on the banks. Well, if you're not gonna pull back on the regulations that you overregulated the banks, I don't know how you get out of this problem then if that is indeed the problem. If the Fed is a permanent supplier in this market, that's a credit market. You don't want them making credit decisions. Even though they're collateralized loans, that will distort markets as we go forward. So they're in a bad place. And that's why I think after three months, they haven't got an answer for us as to how they're going to fix
2: this problem. Got it. Jim Bianco, thank you very much for being here with us tonight. Happy New Year to you. Join us again in 2020. Well, coming up, you may be gearing up for a big night out, but restaurant stocks have been staying in this year. We'll break down what's next for the sector. And later, the traders are laying out their New Year's resolutions, how they're bettering their portfolios in 2020. Stick with us. Fast Money, back right after this. Well, it's been a bit of a lukewarm year for the restaurant stocks. Check out names like Dine and Bloomin' Brands, owners of popular chains like IHOP and Outback Steakhouse. Both stocks are up double digits, but still trailing the broader market. Same goes for Darden, which is barely in the green, while Brinker Brands, owner of Chili's or Chili's, as my mom likes to say when she's <laughs> fancy, is down more than 3%. Our next guest is no stranger to the food space. Zane Tankle is the CEO of Apple Metro, which operates several Applebee's chains in the New York area. Welcome, Zane. Thanks for well, being thank here you, with Courtney. us. Thanks. Thanks for having We've been talking a lot about the consumer and the strength therein, yep. really supportive of this broader economy when some of the other macroeconomic factors have faltered a little or maybe stable at best. Yep. What do you think about the state of the consumer going into 2020? Still uh, strong? Flashing? Any warning signs?
10: Uh, no, not, not really warning signs. Still strong. Uh, still spending. The problem in our space, the restaurant industry, all segments of it, what we call fast food or quick service, fast casual and we're casual dining, table service. Is it's in a transformative stage. Doesn't know what it's going to be when it comes out of 2020. It's got some indicators. We've got to-go delivery, Uber Eats, uh, Grubhub, all these models to deliver. We have all sorts of to-go items. We're we're a technology business. McDonald's, as you all know, bought two. Tech companies this past year spent some hundreds of millions of dollars doing it. They're in the food business. What are they doing? Buying tech companies, because it's all about making it easier for the consumer to buy. So iPhones, you'll be able to order from a menu. We have a uh, app that's called I'm here. So when you you come, we order before you get there. It'll track you when you sit at a table and you push I'm here and we'll deliver the food. It's all about trying to compete for the consumer's time. The good news versus I listened to your earlier block about technology and all these wonderful things, they still have to eat. So we don't have to worry about whether they'll eat. We have to worry about how they'll eat. And we have to worry about attracting them to us.
2: What about running the business as wages increase and you're asking your staff to now work? with orders on the i'm here app as well as sort of balancing all of those drinks at the same time
10: you got to navigate it we we saw for example here in new york city three years ago they announced fifteen dollars this past year i sat here and it was the start of fifteen dollar minimum wage now people are rattling about twenty dollars so here's the difference and and why i think the economy keeps chugging right along is the technology piece making us more productive doing more with less. So when I started in this business, we thought three table stations for a server is the way you give good service. Maybe if they were super, you gave them four tables. Today, they have 10 tables. And why do they have 10 tables? Because they have a tablet that they take your order, push send, it goes into the kitchen, they go to the next table, take, and we have runners from the kitchen that just bring the food back to the table. And we're, we're in a transformative stage. We've got to reinvent ourselves. The big challenge, as I see is getting people off the couch And getting them out to come in. Now we can handle that through the third party and to go, but we got these big boxes. So, so
5: what about the third party and to go though?
10: Where where does that? I get the efficiencies, how you head head off some uh, headwinds with
5: technology, but it seems like it's a race to zero with all these food delivery companies. I get the benefit for you. But can they survive? What does that look like two years, five years? That's
10: a question I ask myself, because it all started off about a year ago at some very high prices. I can't share with you what the prices are today, in all fairness, but it slowly, slowly morphed down. And I'm not sure what the model says as to how it's coming down. And it's coming down. You're absolutely correct. I, I can only believe they're trying to compile these billions of people and they'll be able to sell that advertising because these are very, spe- like cable TV, very specific channels. They stay home, they order, they eat a steak, they will know everything about anybody. The Russians are spying on our, on our infrastructure for uh, arms race. We're spying or they're spying on everybody about what's the consumer's habit. How are they going to eat? Because so here's the good news, and I tell our people this all the time. We get in the habit of eating when we're born, and you never break it. You never break it. Zane, so you're an amazing
3: businessman. People should Google your name and see what you've done over the last 40 years. It's remarkable, and we've known each other a long time. time. So (laughs) your costs keep going up. You mentioned it earlier. How sensitive dollars and cents-wise is your clientele to a menu item changing in terms of is it $0.05? Is
10: it $0.50? My sense is it's less than people think. Exactly. Guy, that's a great question. In fact, I've never been asked that question. It's a nickel. A nickel price increase. We get phone calls. I read. I read. We do about 200,000 meals a week. I read every single complaint that comes in every single day. Now, Sorry that sounds about like, those. I apologize. It's, uh, well, I was going to talk to you about that off air. <laughs> but, but, but the reality is it's not that many. It's 30, 40, 50, maybe 200,000 meals a week. But here's the one we get. If we raise prices by a nickel... Lots of pushback, a of very, very sensitive consumers say, oh, I could go down the street and eat it for six twenty five and you're charging us six thirty five.
2: Also, 10 tables, that's asking a server an awful lot. I should probably disclose I worked at two different Applebee's in Dayton, Ohio. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I was not a good server. Um, But I understand that you have a busy night here tonight. What are you offering the revelers in Times Square?
10: Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for asking, as a matter of fact, Courtney. We, we, uh, for $500... $500, $500, You, we have a VIP, you sit at the window, you look down and see the million people, as you guys do for free. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I was asked on here I, yesterday, he said, uh, for $400, what does that get us? And I said, $400, it might get you into Times Square. It certainly does not get you in our restaurant, <laughs> but you might get into Times Square. It's $500 for a VIP, it's $400 for regular seating, we lock the door. We have entertainment. We have prime rib. We have all you can eat, all you can drink. And here's the irony as you're talking about the market and where it's coming from. Nobody's from New York. <laughs> Nobody's from the United States. They're coming from Chile, Argentina, Mexico, uh, all over Western Europe. Their English will be the second most common language you'll hear in either of our restaurants tonight.
2: Well, I hope it's a wild success. Thank you for joining Thank you so us. So much Tangled here you, on Courtney. New Year's Eve.,
10: I appreciate. It.
2: All right, guys, what do we think? Guy, I'm going to start with you. When you're looking at restaurant stocks, you're looking at the strength of the consumer. Any names you want to place some you know, underperformance? Yeah, I'll place. I mean, McDonald's has
3: been a monster. It's a technology play now, but valuation's probably getting a little stretched. I tell you, one that I was wrong on for a long time, but we finally have gotten it right, is CMG. I mean, you look at that stock and say, you know what, valuation doesn't make sense, but their organic growth is tremendous, and they've turned into a bit of a tech company as well. So all the, all the names out there, the one that still has upside is CMG, Courtney. Up
2: 94% this year. Dan, what you think?
0: You know, I want Karen's opinion on, on McDonald's. You just mentioned it. That thing is stalled out. It's only up 11% on the year, but importantly, it's down 10% from the all-time highs, trading 24 times. That's actually been reasonable for this multiple, mm-hmm. if you expect growth. I know you've owned it.
4: I, I, have, I In a long time, I got out of that way too early. I, th- I mean, I love the franchise. I love what they're doing. I think they've been ahead of the game, and I think that I've seen the power of digital, and I think that it'll continue to work for them. I know it's, I know it's you know, as you said, down for you know the last couple months haven't been good, but I
2: think they're really an incredible franchise. 24 isn't crazy to me. I think they can grow earnings. We mentioned Bloomin' Brands. I should also disclose I tried to work at Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> but I quit before I could get fired because I couldn't memorize the drink menu. Anyways, thank you very much all for being here with us here tonight. Coming up, are you looking to shed a few pounds, save more money, or just live a healthier and happier life in 2020? Well, take a look at the stock's poised to help pop on your New Year's resolution, plus, As we head into an election year, one options trader is betting this is your ultimate protection play. Look at this mystery chart. That strategy and more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money, coming to you live from the heart of New York City's Times Square. You're looking right there at Times Square. That ball is set to drop in just a few more hours. The people are there. Everybody's ready. And the major global markets just closed out an incredible year. But one trader in the options market just made a multi-million dollar bet of rod. Mike Coe is out in San Francisco with the options action. Give us this trade, Mike.
1: Sure. We're taking a look at EFA. That's the MSCI developed market international equity ETF. And it saw two times as many puts trade as calls today, a very large trade, actually over 90,000 contracts total as somebody was adjusting a hedge position. What were they doing? Well, they sold 15,300 of the February 65 and a half puts. They sold 15,300 of the February 71 and a half calls, and then they use those proceeds to help finance the purchase of 15,300 March 69 puts. Those are at-the-money puts. Now, by putting this trade on, they're willing to give away some of the upside in EFA and getting protection down for about a 5 percent decline between now and February expiration. But the interesting thing about this trade, you'll notice they use two different expirations. What's going to happen here is these February options are actually going to decay much more rapidly than the Marches will. And if the March options have the same average implied volatility that they usually do, 30 days to expiration is what they'll have at expiration, this trade actually will have little to no carry cost to put this hedge on. So basically, this is not a tail hedge. It's just looking for potential for a short, near-term downside.
2: Mike, thank you so much. EFA is that trade. And for more options action, catch our live show this Friday. It's at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. But coming up next, the pot trade fizzled out this year. But is the sector heading higher in 2020. Ah, Get it. We'll get some answers. But first, take a look at our Kramer cam. Jim's got something for the whole family tonight. He's breaking down his best generational investing advice. Be sure to catch that coming up at the top of the hour. In the meantime, more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in a jam-packed Times Square in New York City. The party is already underway. Look at all those people already in their corrals. Whew, it's New Year's Eve. In their
3: corrals. Think about yeah, what you just true. said. And last block, <laughs> we had corral. you too Great job by Jonesy. What is this, Courtney? Can you hear this? I can what hear it, this? but
2: I don't know what it is.
3: It's Vega Boy or somebody. Vega Boys. Yeah, Vang- those guys Vanga too. Vega Boys and Vega Boys. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know,
2: same, same old. All right. Well, it started out as one of the hottest trades of the year, but then it went up in smoke. We're talking mm. pot stocks. Investors putting them out after a sizzling start to the year. So, what's ahead in 2020? Here's your pot playbook.
11: There were high expectations for cannabis stocks in 2019 as recreational marijuana became legal in Canada. But pot stocks took a plunge in the second half. Here's what to watch in 2020. First, cannabis company comeback. A slower than expected rollout of retail stores in Canada put pressure on legal cannabis companies. But the industry could get a boost with more stores in the big provinces of Ontario and Quebec slated to open in the first half of the year. The holdup, which has fueled the black market, has been largely caused by confusion between the national and provincial governments over supply and demand for recreational cannabis. Second, consumable cannabis. There will be a push in 2020 for cannabis consumables to be standardized so customers know what to expect with each use, similar to alcohol. Consumable products are also generally higher priced and higher margin than traditional inhalable products like cannabis flower and pre-rolled cannabis. That means drinks and edibles could be an opportunity for higher revenues. Third, no federal legalization. The U.S. federal government legalizing marijuana may be coming sooner than you think after a bill passed committee in the House, but as the presidential election approaches, getting the full House and Senate to vote yes could be a challenge. Meanwhile, more states are passing bud bills. This year, Michigan and Illinois became the tenth and eleventh states to make recreational use legal. Several others have grassroots efforts underway.
2: Thank you, Frank Holland. Guy, any quick thoughts here? Yeah, on I got a quick. Well, Tim Seymour
3: is the expert in the space. He's obviously on vacation. But quickly, GW Farmer, this time last year, $95 stock doubled back to 95 I think if you're looking for a trade, the one that sets up risk-reward is GWPH in this environment, Courtney. Yeah,
2: some of those names really soared today, but down a lot for the year. Aurora down 57% this year. Tilray off 75% year-to-date. Well, 2019 coming to an end, and that means it's time to make some New Year's resolutions. Traditionally, those resolutions fall into a couple of popular Categories: People wanting to get fit, eat healthier, save money, and kick their social media habit. So in the spirit of the season, our traders are making some stock resolutions that fit into those buckets. So, Steve, let's start with you. Digital detox, tell me about this. Yeah,
5: you got to get your face out of your phone. Yeah, what what better not? way to do it than to stop looking at Twitter? You know, I, I don't look at Twitter all the time. And when you look at the stock, it's up 11% year-to-date, but margins are impacted, revenue's coming in. Last time the stock got hit was in back in October, I believe, for 25%. And what happened? It was a bad third quarter, bad fourth quarter guide. Stay out of the name for now.
2: What do you think, Dan, about a name like Snap, up 195% year-to-date?
0: Yeah, no, I, listen, there's some scarcity value um, in, in- embedded in that move with Snap. I just think it's a small market cap there. It's just not really kind of moving the needle as far as online advertising either, so I would not be buying that one
2: here. But you All did right. with earlier in the year. No,
0: what I liked it when it did. was a hat size, you know, a Dami hat yeah, size, like call. a big big hat, like a sombrero.
2: Mm-hmm. We're going to move on to fitness. Karen, what stock are you staying fit in? Well, it's not the easiest pick. It's Nike, and it's not
4: It's not that it's not a great company. It really is. It's, that it's a little expensive, but when I look at some of the other things, like if you look at a Peloton, Peloton you can't it's not mathematically expensive you can't divide by negative to come up with a multiple so I don't really know how to value it and I think about the staying power of Nike you can't be in something for hoping for a big fourth quarter you know for for Christmas or a Weight Watchers or something I I like a much steadier business Nike's done a tremendous job growing a business around the world. Even though it's expensive, I would have to go
2: with Nike. China's been important there, direct-to-consumer, new CEO. Guy, what do you think of Nike? I like
3: Nike. I mean, valuation is probably the knock, but it, i got to tell you something. They've done everything right. I mean, the Kaepernick thing, say what you want about it, proved to be a low point for the stock. So... I'm with Karen on this one. Valuation aside, I
0: think NKE works really well.
2: I'm excited to see what happens under the new CEO. Dan, everybody wants to save a little money. What do you think in 2020? What could be your trade here?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. In 2019, Goldman Sachs, a big bank stock, obviously, they got focused on trying to help consumers kind of save. They introduced Marcus. They introduced this new Apple card. Um, And I think those are really kind of interesting initiatives. Obviously, there's been some big headwinds. This one MDB MDB issue hopefully resolved January 29th. They have a first ever investor day that could be a catalyst for the stock to move higher
2: all right guy what do you think so Let's i'm on the wrong food
3: Courtney, look, I'm on the wrong side of 55 that means i'm now 56 56 years old Why right are you so yelling I'm, I'm just because i can't <laughs> watch understand.
8: his hearing
3: but you know you want to eat better you want to eat well but when you're eating well you're eating things that don't taste all that good so what do you need to do you need to season those suckers whatever it is you're pouring salt <laughs> Pepper, whatever you want. Look at McCormick's over the last couple years. I mean, I know the valuation is crazy, but the stock has been a rocket ship. People playing against it for a long time. Doesn't make sense. I think the stock goes higher. And guess what? This might be a stock that somebody, no pun intended, gobbles up in 2020. So throw some pepper on this sucker, get healthy, McCormick's gets That's done. a very
2: interesting and of creative one. Is. Karen, as we're looking at 2020, and you mentioned sort of thinking about Weight Watchers, a lot of people talk about those at the beginning of the year, but not really a, a trade that makes sense to you here.
4: It's not crazy. I mean, the Oprah thing was transformative. I feel really stupid that I wasn't on that once I saw that she had a huge stake. Um, it's not for me, though it's a lot of debt there still.
2: All right. Fair enough. Well, up next, we'll look back on the year that was here on Fast Money and your first trade for 2020. We'll be back in two. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to fast Money. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, just below us, 1.5 million people they're all lining up to watch that ball drop in just over six hours from now. Well, it was a record-breaking year on Wall Street and even a more momentous time here on Fast Money. So we decided to take a stroll down Memory Lane and revisit some of the big highlights from the past year: I allow 10 seconds
4: of needless chit chat. Uh, can you please we use you it in 59 seat. minutes) <laughs>
3: I mean, that's not a bad job if you can get it, because the stock is basically traded. I mean,
1: that's him. That's uh, him. By the way, that was such a Tim move. Why I is know, Guy's miscue
0: becoming a look at Tim and what he fair. No, it's fair. It's a fair I point. People it. don't know who kid and Play is at home, but... Yeah. Great hair on Kid Fantastic. and play, by the way. That, you, I, you ever
4: have some guy your twist your arm, arm behind cold. your back? I mean, and you exactly.
0: <laughs> there's a glow in your eye that I've never seen I love it. <laughs> I'm not a geometrist, but I'll play one on TV. The, the geometrist, angle's too high. you know, I'm like our chief beauty correspondent here. So that's
4: kind of a ridiculous wow. thing to say. Yep. Oh, Grosso, look at you. Oh, oh, oh. I feel like I might
0: look too good with this.
4: But he wore uh, it for an hour. This well, is not up. a
0: fashion
7: show. This shirt
4: looks like a table.
7: I want to make it clear to my wife, I am not on Tinder with Brian. Swiping left or right. I guess he's He's a hunk, up yeah, This is going in be the best
4: of Tim,
11: real. Strangle, naked both sides on the, the essence.
0: The like oh, oh, chicken,
11: and yeah. bombed out. It's been amazing. Popular, corner yeah. grill, yeah. noodles yeah. and company, rather, rather than, than Petrus
0: at the end.
9: Einstein yeah, yeah. bagels and rubies. It goes on. So, this one is off the chain, as the expression goes.
3: Man, a few words, Carter, worth.
2: He really raises the notch on the vocabulary. You know, <laughs> i tell you what, easy
1: words. Right?
4: By the way, Dan wrote sell even before you opened your phone. <laughs> he God. wrote sell when he walked in there. He didn't even
9: know. He
4: Okay, I'm speaking right to you, Dan. I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong, right? I don't want to do that. That
5: actually scared you, later, yeah? <laughs> You
4: feel like I'm at the show, oh, my, my dinner closet. table growing up. Jeez.
5: This is why Melissa is running this show, because we
3: need this kind of information. <laughs> Wasn't this a fun show? for fun, fr- fun, It was fun. fun. And you're, you're off next week. Oh. You're going to miss me? Huh? See, at least say yes, just pretend. <laughs> of course I'm going to miss you. <laughs>
2: That was quite a fun year. Guy, what was your year. favorite moment there?
3: Well, my, a lot of favorite moments. I mean, this actually might be my favorite moment. You might have noticed that Mel hasn't been here for the last couple weeks. Happy to report she had very healthy twins, a boy and a girl she's watching right now. So congratulations, <laughs> Melissa Lee. And quickly, I mean, we have an amazing crew. You know, you get to see the five of us every night, but everybody behind the scenes, including the people here at the NASDAQ, are amazing. So this show doesn't go on without them. Thank them as well, Corey.
2: Absolutely. Sure. Happy New Year to everyone, and thank you for the hardworking team at Fast Money, at the NASDAQ, at CNBC. It is time for the final trades of the decade. We're going to go around the horn. Grasso, you're up first.
5: I'm looking for West Rock, WRK. I'm looking for value to start outperforming, so maybe we'll start to see a switch from these uh, growth companies, tech companies, back to cyclicals. WRK, buy that one.
4: All right, happy, Karen, you're up. Happy yeah. New Year's. Two things i got to say. Melissa... We are so delighted for you. Uh, I mean, it's the best news possible, so congratulations. I'm going to go with the girl that brought me, which was Alphabet, coming into the decade, sticking with what I got, Alphabet for next year. And Donna, Happy New Year.
2: Awesome. Dan, what do you
4: got?
0: Yeah, just as a trade, to reiterate that Goldman thing, I think that at the end of January, that investor day could be a really important moment. So if that stock comes in early in, the, in January, I think you buy it and you play it for the end
3: of
2: Mr. Adami. Wishing
3: my wife, Linda, happy birthday. Happy New Year. Courtney, thanks for being here. I think rates go lower TLT.
2: It was wonderful to be here with you all on Fast Money. For my first time, you made it easy. It was a lot of fun. That's it. We're off tomorrow, back on Thursday at 5 p.m. Happy New Year.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.